Welcome to the Social Media Law Podcast. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer. I'm on a crusade to help social media creators just like you understand the law and protect your artistic freedom online. Today, I'm going to be joined by Calandra Martin of the Magne- uh, Magnetic Boss Collective, and we are going to do, we're going to talk all things about how to be famous, a uh, famous female entrepreneur like Sarah Blakely. That's how to be a famous female entrepreneur like Sarah Blakely. By the way, if any time you need to reach me during the podcast, you can reach me at podcast at iancorzine.com. That's podcast at iancorzine.com. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at iancorzine. Are you ready? It's live from Los Angeles. It's your social media lawyer, Ian Corzine. All right. Today, I am very excited to be joined by Calandra. Welcome to the show, Calandra. Oh, <laughs> I was muted. Thank oh. you, Ian, so much for having me. No problem. It's so easy to forget that you're muted, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'm excited to be here, though. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we're doing podcasts. We're getting new. I'm, you know, mine is fairly new. And I know that uh, your Magnetic Boss Collective podcast is fairly new. So we're just getting the hang of it. <laughs> yeah, live and learn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I always like to start the podcast off with a story uh, of the guest helping someone. And it can be like a personal story or a business story, like you helped a client. Do you have a story for us? Sure. Yes. Yeah. My name is Calandra. I am a brand strategist, designer, and visibility coach. Um, And so my story definitely relates to that area, but this was before I stepped into the position that I'm in now. So my journey with entrepreneurship was that it was almost accidental. It was not planned. I didn't go to school to be in business. Um, And I started about three years ago helping with a nonprofit dog rescue here in Maine. Um, And I I started doing their social media, which was something that I had done in previous jobs, kind of just helping them grow their visibility. And we really dug in and within the first year and a half, we had over 50,000 people that we were reaching on a regular basis, which was incredible. I blew myself away. I wasn't expecting that sort of growth. So we kind of had to backpedal and look at what worked really well, but it's been so, so great to watch the growth of the rescue, to have people really joining in the community of the dog rescue world. There's a lot of volunteers that we have working behind the scenes and social media has been such a great avenue for us to be able to reach more people every single day. That's awesome. Now, do you have a dog yourself? I have two. One of them is a rescue. The other I got as a puppy. Uh Um, The rescue is actually a pit bull rescue. So I was turned on to pit bulls with my first dog and realized that there was so much discrimination against them um, and fell in love with the breed ever since. So now tell me about this because I have actually a lot of friends that have pit bulls and none of them are hostile. They're awesome dogs. Why are pit bulls? Why do people fall in love with pit bulls? Yeah, I mean, they are just goofballs. (laughs) Every pit bull that I have ever met, pit bull mix, they are just big and goofy and lovable. And all they want to do is please their humans and follow you around and drool on you and sit in your lap. So (laughs) they're pretty lovable. That's awesome. Well, you've had such great success getting the message out for the rescue. You know, what drew you to social media? Was it just the mission or did you actually like the technology of it or the communication platform of it? Yeah, I think given how old I am, I'm very young. I'm 
going to be 26 in October. Um, it comes very easily to me. Social media almost feels like second nature. And I didn't necessarily understand the power that social media has in the world until I got into the world of business and marketing and visibility. But I see it as such a great tool and opportunity for the world to get connected, for people to be reaching who they need to reach and serve who they need to serve. So I kind of again, like entrepreneurship, fell in love with it accidentally. <laughs> now, when you talk about the power of social media, are you referring to organic social media as well as paid social media? Yeah, um, my business specifically and in the dog rescue, we are all organic marketers. So I don't pay for ads at this point in my business. I'm sure there will be a time and place for that. But all of the growth at this point is organic. And I see so much power in relationship building through that avenue and approach. And I also think it's really important for startups, for small businesses that are still trying to figure out what their brand might be so that you can really put the money into those ads when you have a solid foundation to stand on. I see. That is really, really interesting. I've never heard that said before. It's almost like organic social media is a practice session. And when you get it honed, uh, you can actually put the money behind the ads. Is that right? Yeah, and it also gives you the opportunity from my perspective to have an audience already waiting so that those ads actually work better for you versus starting from ground zero and paying to get an audience. You already have a warm market, an audience paying attention, which is going to help your reach from what I can understand about ads. Yeah. Now, you know, a lot of people out there, you know, they'll do vlogs or they'll just, you know, and I think it's important to just get started to put yourself mm -hmm. on camera or an audio and just put yourself out there. But in your experience, having gotten so many followers and subscribers, you know, what does it take for successful organic social media posts? Yeah, I think a misconception in the online world, especially for entrepreneurs, is that it's an overnight success because that's what we see a lot of the time. We see the people with 10,000 plus followers making six figures. It looks like it happened overnight. But with social media and organic marketing in particular, there is this long game, which is why I love branding so much, because you have, again, a foundation to stand on. So that growth really snowballs over time. But when you have a brand in place, it's so much easier to show up and have those organic posts reach the right people versus just throwing spaghetti at the wall and being on every platform and getting, you know, visibility that doesn't necessarily convert. So I hear you saying that picking a platform, so to speak, is the way to go, be more specific. But mm. when, when we're trying to do that, what are we considering? Should we, we be on Facebook? Should we be on Instagram? Should we be on both? Should we be on YouTube? Do you have a criteria for selecting what kind of platform we should do for our organic social media? Yeah, I made this mistake in the beginning. <laughs> so I'll start off there. Everybody awesome. enters this. into the online space and thinks you have to be in all of the places in order to really grow your presence and get your clients through the door. So when I started in the online space, I was in network marketing and I didn't know what I was doing. So I showed up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, you name it. Yeah. And what I ended up doing was I wasted a lot of time. So definitely starting small on the platforms that you're already active on is going to help you 
expand in the long term, especially once you have team on board and you can really outsource things so that you're not behind the computer all day. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the most important thing to take into consideration when choosing a platform is where is your audience? You really, really want to know your market because if you are marketing to, for example, dog rescue lovers, people that are in love with dogs, they're probably not spending too much time on Twitter looking for cute dog photos. They're likely on something like Instagram or they're seeing the Facebook watch videos popping up. So that is where your market is. And you really want to know what works for your market and also what works for you. Where is it going to be easiest for you to show up authentically and not have to have this huge learning curve of what is this platform and how do I show up on it? Now, that's the question, right, though? I mean, there are some people out there and, you know, they say that only 9% of small businesses are actually accessing social media right now. Mm -hmm. So there's some people out there who go, oh, where's my audience and what is the platform I typically use? Well, maybe as a 26-year-old, uh, you typically always use a platform like Snapchat or Instagram. But for some mm -hmm. of the businesses out there who are like literally, I mean, I can't do a snail mail anymore. I got to get on social media. What do you, how do they how do they find their audience, especially if there's none that exists? Yeah, I think in the world we're living in right now, this is such an important topic with COVID happening. A lot of brick and mortars are needing that visibility online that they've maybe never even considered before. <laughs> um, so there's two types of platforms that you can explore. There is an SEO platform like Google or Pinterest or YouTube or even podcasting. And then there's the social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So I think it's important to have both of those in place. So either having a website for your business, having something like a YouTube channel where people can find you through searching for your industry, mm -hmm. but then also having that social media platform where you're building relationships. And that's really what is important for social media is that it is social media <laughs> for a reason. These platforms want you to be engaging with your clients and customers. So depending on the business and whatever the industry is, I think it's really important to know what types of conversations you might be having. Are you going to be posting, let's say, for example, you're a restaurant and you're posting some of the items on the menu this week. Where can you share that where people are going to see it? They might be looking for dinner ideas. They might be looking for the closest restaurant around searching into. I know I do this. I go to Facebook and I type in restaurant town and then it pops up. Really? On Facebook? So, wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. On Facebook or on Instagram. It depends on your user and your market. Um, but keeping in mind what types of content your audience is looking for. Yeah, you know, that is a really, that is really, really good advice, especially for those businesses that are either uh, kind of unique, different, uh, don't have a lot of competition. I found it as well, I found I someone told me a shortcut uh, for for my business and for others, you know, one of the things you can also do, let's say you're a Mexican restaurant, you can just find the number one Mexican restaurant in America with what they're doing or wherever your country is, and with what they're doing on social media and just do what they do. <laughs> Right. I mean, you can find yeah. your competition, right? <laughs> yeah. You always want to look at your competition and see what is working best for them. Yeah. And that's where the branding comes in. That's how you set yourself apart is you put your own unique spin on it and you show up in a way that is maybe similar in the methodology that somebody else is using and strategy, but really unique in the sense that you are making your audience feel a certain way. You are giving them a particular experience or end result that might be completely different from your top competitor. 
Now, I have a question for you because we have this debate among my creator clients about the advent of voice technology. You know, I have a couple Alexas. I even have a HomePod uh, and I'm using them, you know, fairly often. Do you think that there's a place for small business, medium-sized business in the near future in voice? Yeah, I think that the world in technology is always growing and expanding. And with everything, we want to know what the newest trends are. Mm -hmm. So, you know, a great example of this is TikTok, the new social media platform. That platform grew exponentially practically overnight. It was insane. But that's not to say that there isn't room for growth in all of these other areas. Mm -hmm. So really looking at the direction of the market is going to help you predict where it's most useful for you to spend your time. Because again, it's that long game. So what I anticipate is that people are going to spend a lot more time on podcasts. Mm -hmm. They are going to spend a lot more time. The world we live in today is so busy, right? We want instant gratification. We want to be able to multitask. So with podcasting, you can listen to whoever your favorite person is while you're driving, while you're doing the dishes, while you're folding the laundry and your kids are running around crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, So anything that allows for somebody to consume your content on the go, I think is really going to start to grow, especially as we may shift at some point here from the world of COVID and the pandemic life that we're living in right now. Hopefully. Yeah. You know, I I picked up on something you said, you know, I'm loving TikTok, right? I'm absolutely, it's so fun. I have a 16 year old daughter and we'll watch some videos here and there. And, and I've been kind of analyzing it from, from the outside. I do social media law, you know, content. Um, It's not, (laughs) it's not as the top of people's tongues. Um, And, and I don't do as much, much dancing as I probably should. So I, I have been thinking about, you know, how do I capitalize on the TikTok technology if we can, I mean, one of the things that I think never gets discussed is that certain platforms are good for certain things. When Vine was around, I don't know if you used Vine or know about it, but you know, it was a really, really distinct platform for short, funny videos, six second videos. Do you see a place for a lawyer? I'm trying to think of a boring job, a janitorial supply business. I'm sorry to the janitorial supply businesses, but do you see a place for them on TikTok? And is it just them dancing in their warehouse or is there a place for serious content on TikTok? Yeah, I've I've been a little bit of a consumer on TikTok. I won't say that I spend a lot of time there. I actually deleted the app from my phone just for my own personal sanity because I was spending so much time over there. Um, But I think that there are ways to get creative with any type of content and any platform that you're on. So with TikTok, the most important aspect of that platform is the video and the music. So if you can tie in a video that is showcasing what you do in your business and you're adding bits of text that explain something, let's say you're doing, you know, a training Mm. on social social media law and you want to give your top three tips, Mm -hmm. you could be doing some funny dance in the video, but also sharing those, you know, top three tips in the text, Mm -hmm. um, putting your own unique spin on that and making it a fun interactive experience. Mm -hmm. Um, But I will also say that with these social media platforms, it's really easy for us to chase shiny object syndrome. It's a tongue twister. Um, You know, a new platform comes up, it looks like it's the brand new thing, 
But what is going to happen in a year, three years, five years? What are the platforms that are really going to stick around? And if you're creating content on these platforms, are you also allowing yourself to use that content in other ways Mm -hmm. and saving it so that it's evergreen, so that it's lasting beyond when that platform might crash? There was a TikTok crash, I think, two days ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's always important to have your content somewhere where it's going to live and that you own it. These social media platforms we don't own as businesses. It's a great, often free way to market our business. But I really see the importance of having a website and having somewhere where it's your platform and you can send your people. I actually think you're brilliant. That is exactly right. I I totally agree with that. You got to do your best to predict what social media platforms will exist in the future if social media exists in the future, because there's a lot of, we could talk for days about China and they're going into more group-based, you know, closed social media as opposed to open social media like we have now. Um, But I do, I do think you're right. The website, the email list, even though email, I know we don't read a lot of it. It's still good to maintain some of these ownership on contact. So I think that's, really, really smart advice. And then to not put all your hopes in these new platforms that blow up like TikTok, uh, just experiment with it. Gosh, if you got a million views on something, great. But I do think, like you said, evergreen content is evergreen and can be translated into whatever new medium is popular. Like I said, voice, Alexa, you know, uh, top 10 tips on social media law could be converted into some sort of, you know, audio program on Alexa. Absolutely. Something like this podcast, you could transcribe, turn it into 10 social media posts and put those over on TikTok and Facebook and all of the places. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, we are here to talk today, you know, about how to stand out, how to become famous as a female entrepreneur. We talked about like Sarah Blakely. Do you have some top tips for, you know, female entrepreneurs that are trying to stand out, try to build up their business, build up their brand? Yeah, I love the Sarah Blakely. She's such a great example of being a really powerful female entrepreneur. And there are some things that I can observe that she's done really, really well. The first is that her company Spanx filled a gap in the market. So anytime you are solving a problem, there's a good chance that you're solving the same problem that somebody, you know, one click over is solving as well. There is a lot of noise, especially if you are marketing in the online space, which is where I love to hang out. Um, So in order for your brand to really become iconic, which is something that I like to teach and magnetic, you have to be creating something that fills a gap in the market, Mm -hmm. creating a solution to a problem that already exists, but giving that solution in a way that people might not be expecting Mm -hmm. because Creating first impressions and lasting impressions in your business is really going to set you apart Mm -hmm. and putting your own unique spin on it. So Mm -hmm. this is where branding, personal branding is so powerful because we have the opportunity to not look like the person that is one click away and to really create a lasting connection and keeping people in the loop with you, which Mm -hmm. is where relationship building comes in. Storytelling and creating that personal brand really goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's exactly right. Um, and also having a mind, you know, it sounds to me like an elementary business concept, which is filling mm-hmm. a gap in the market. Um, you know, it, it, it could be the online market, it could be just the brick and mortar market, but you've got to solve a problem that people have, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that 
the the user experience is always so important whether it's on social media it's on your website it's entering your store whatever it might be you have to leave people feeling a certain way in order for them to remember you there's a really famous quote i believe it's my angelo mm-hmm that people will remember how you made them feel, right? Mm -hmm. So in order for you to stand out in the long term and to have people return back to your social media content, return back to your website, go back to your business a second time, you have to give them that experience in what it is that they're looking for. Now, Calandra, I've never worn Spanx, as far as you know, Um, but how does Sarah Blakely make women feel? Why do you, why is, does she, or does her product, excuse me, resonate with women and and made her the the billionaire that she is? Yeah, I think that the Spanx product, which I also have not used, but I've (laughs) I've heard great things. (laughs) Um, I think that it really gives women a sense of confidence and empowerment and really allowing that, um, you know, body positivity to be spread. I think that she has a really great message and mission in her branding. And it's something that people can build relationships with. So everybody knows about Spanx. Everybody will talk and joke about the Spanx in their closet or go shopping. Um, So she's creating that experience in the sense that it gives you that boost of confidence. It gives you the opportunity to create a connection with another woman who probably has the same problem (laughs) that you're looking to solve um, and really created community from that. Now, are there other characteristics of Sarah Blakely that, that uh, other female entrepreneurs could, you know, engender, t- can take, take on to be able so that they can succeed in their business? Yeah, I think that something that she embodies really well is confidence in how she shows up in the world and not necessarily about how she looks or the way that she talks or the clothes that she wears, but she is very true to herself in knowing without a shadow of a doubt that she's capable of what it is that she's showing up to do. And I really believe that confidence is built through action. Um, And it's something that we all can strive to do. Female, male, it really doesn't matter. Um, in the long-term growth of our businesses, Mm -hmm. showing up day in, day out, consistently with the Mm -hmm. same message, the same mission, and really owning up to that and grounding into what that big vision is, is going to help become magnetic, which is what I teach. (laughs) Yeah, I I have really learned that uh, lesson about consistency. You know, there's been sayings out there about, you know, the hardest part is to show up or something similar to that. And I will say, especially, maybe it's the same thing, but especially in social media, consistency is everything. I mean, a lot of times I flub over my words. A lot of times you'll see in my videos or my podcast, my eyes are, you know, uh, uh, wrinkled because I'm so tired because it's in the middle of the night or really early in the morning. But you know what? I think people who are your audience appreciate you. I got to get it done. You know, I gotta, mm-hmm. I gotta wake up early to get this thing done because I got to take the kids to school at eight thirty and blah, 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 blah. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I definitely agree with the consistency piece and something else that I hear from that and that I really love to teach is authenticity. Yes. Um, Especially right now, we live in such a busy world. People are looking for humanization. We're looking to connect with other humans that have a human experience where we are tired. We don't have the perfect life all of the time. Our houses are a mess. When I first started in the online space, I was a brand new mom. And the only way that I was able to consistently show up on social media was to have my 
child in a baby carrier on the front of my chest. And that became part of my brand. People loved it. They showed up just to see my cute kid. But it also built that connection. So I think that in addition to consistently showing up, it's also important to consistently show up authentically, to show up the same way as the same person over and over and over again, because that builds trust with an audience. Now, I have a question for you because this is this is where I see the tension because I've heard that message before. And again, I believe it. I think that authenticity is the way to be if you're going to be on organic social. I, I totally agree with that. However, what we're starting to see right now is this rise in cancer culture. So people showing up authentically and they're authentically, uh, let's say a, a Caucasian woman uh, in a you know middle-class neighborhood are afraid to show that because they're thinking that they may be called out for just doing that. Do you have a, any recommendations for female entrepreneurs who now maybe are like, okay, yeah, I got to show up authentically and, and um, I got to show up consistently, but I'm a little worried right now. What do you say to them? Yeah, I think the first thing to recognize is that it's a very valid fear. We all have fears of not being good enough, of judgment of other people. Yeah. And the easiest way for me to combat that because I'm definitely somebody who also experiences those types of fears Mm -hmm. is to recognize that your business actually is not about you at all. (laughs) If you're showing up on social media to share content, it's because you were looking to solve a problem and you're trying to get in front of that audience. So the biggest way to really look at the call out culture that we are dealing with, especially right now yeah. is to really anchor into your mission and what it is that you're here to do. Mm-hmm. And to also just know what your values are, because when you are showing up in your business from a place of knowing your values, you're always going to find your true North. You're never going to share something that's so authentic that it offends mm-hmm. the wrong people. Sure. You're going to offend people. There's going to be haters out there. There's going to be trolls on Instagram, yeah. but when you are really solid and knowing that you can get behind what you're sharing, even if it gets a little messy and sticky, mm-hmm. you can pull yourself back out of that because you know what your true North is. Man, you are, are wise beyond your years. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that's something that we all need to do is in general, just in life is get clear on our principles uh, and then be able to, to show up. And like you said, it can get messy sometimes, uh, but we got to consistently do it. And I think the other part of your message, which I picked up, which is social media is media. You know, people often kind of put the cart before the horse and that is, you know, I want to succeed in media. It's kind of like putting a newspaper ad in the New York Times and then, you know, for a product and then not being concerned about how many product sales you have, but being concerned about how many people saw that ad. Um, We do have to realize that if we're going to be doing it other than just friends and family and that kind of stuff, uh, social media we're doing it for a business purpose. So we're there not to make necessarily make a comment about a controversial issue, but to sell product, right? Yeah, I think that especially in the world of social media, it's so easy to get hung up on the vanity metrics because we are constantly looking for validation, right? As humans, we always want to be seen, heard, understood, and loved. And when we're showing up on social media, it almost becomes a game of, well, am I proving myself? Am I good enough? Did I get X amount of followers this week? Um, But it's actually the followers, the engagement, it doesn't always translate to the growth of your business. Um, It's really what happens behind the scenes that's going to grow your business and gain that visibility for your brand. 
Well, Calandra, thank you so much. It's, uh, we're nearing the end of our time together and I respect your time because I know you're a busy mom and business person. Thank you so much for showing up on the Social Media Law Podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. Awesome. And for as far as your uh, podcast, where can my audience find your podcast and listen to you? Yeah, you can find everything about me and my business on my website, calandramartin.com. It's a tricky one to spell, but you'll find it anywhere. Awesome. <laughs> I think I'm the only one with my name. Um, I'm on Facebook, Instagram. The Magnetic Boss Podcast is on iTunes and Spotify. And our free Facebook community is the Magnetic Boss Collective. Awesome. Well, I can tell you that I've listened to the Magnetic Boss podcast and I love it. You are authentic. You are real. You're showing up for your audience and your future customers. And I'm just really excited that you made time for us. Awesome. Thank you, Ian. Thanks all so right. much for having me. Well, for all you creators out there, I hope you got some value in today's talk. By the way, as a reminder, go to iancorzine.com to get all your answers to social media law questions. And please remember to subscribe to the Social Media Law Podcast with Ian Corzine. And if you could rate the podcast and review it on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, actually just Apple Podcasts, <laughs> you, I, you can help us uh, skyrocket up the charts. All right, that's enough for today. I'm Ian Corzine, your social media lawyer, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>